Yo, what up, fucking podcasters and listeners and the general population out there, you know, my G-pop, what's fucking up? Today is, uh, Monday, uh, shit, I don't even know what the fucking day it is, it might be the 15th, 16th, 17th, or 18th, I, I forgot, uh, fucking, who knows? But it's about 4.20 on the dot uh, on this fucking Monday evening. It's almost fucking Monday night because fucking sun starts hitting low right now at about 4.45. Almost 5 o'clock. It's fucking pitch black. But um, today is Victory Monday. <sighs> Victorious Monday. Uh, talking, going to talk a couple of things. Uh, Barbarians on Netflix. Uh, we've got the Raiders' big win over the Denver Broncos. And actually, it's not really a big win over the Denver Broncos. More so is it just a win over the Broncos. Uh, the really big and you know, the, the, the prelude to the Chiefs-Raiders rematch. Because I know, I know them boys over there in KC want to uh, hang a big fat L take a big fat shit in the Raiders stadium in Vegas, the new home. I know that, I know that that's what they want to do. And I know the Raiders don't want, the Raiders want to go seven and three, which we're now six and three. And we want to hang a big fat fucking L on the Chiefs, which are, aside from a loss from us, they're undefeated and pretty much convincingly almost all the games that they've played. Um, so yeah, so we can talk about that a little bit, and then I might uh, discuss a little bit of fucking some NBA action up over here. You know, the free agency is about to tip off. Oh fucking shit! But definitely, we're gonna get into the barbarians right now. Um, I'm going to pause this for a quick moment because i got to stop and do something. But when we get back, we're going to talk about the Barbarians, and then we're going to talk a little bit about Raiders. So hang with me. I'll be back in, like, one second. Okay, so I'm back. I'm back. So we're going to discuss the Barbarians. It's a Netflix original. Uh, it's a six episode or seven episode season it's really shorty uh on netflix it's a netflix uh original and uh i gotta say i i really liked it um i got hooked on the first episode and then i kind of binged over the next like two or three days i think i did it when did i watch it sometime during last week uh, after I did the Blue Exorcist episode, I started it because I was like, well, you know, I'm watching One Piece, but that shit is 900,000 episodes long, so I mean, I got time. But I, st- I was like, let me get a little, a little palate cleanser because I have watched a lot of anime, so I was like, let me do this barbarian shit, and I, I liked it from the drop of the drop of the fucking opening sequences all the way to the, to the last sequence, the last episode, um, 
it's very little uh, CGI, hardly any. There is some, obviously, but it's mostly people in action. It's a, it's a really good, a really good. I think they're gonna turn this into a good uh, to a franchise. So it's a really good uh, a star. I mean, and got I give it like an eight. The only thing I I knock. It's really short. So as soon as you get into it, as soon as that six episodes rolls in, you're like, "Fuck, man, this is it. This is already, it's already over." Like, but it is. There are there are like fifty some odd minute episodes. So I I was like, "Damn, like, shit's over." Uh, on top of that, I don't know how accurate it is to the storyline, but this is loosely, and see, I, I maybe I kind of like it, and I'm a homer about it, because I, as I just talked, I just watched Blood of Zeus, and I just went into detail, I played God of War, and I like all that Greek, you know, Roman mythology, all of that, and I really like that time period, just the gladiators, and so on and so forth, and the movie Gladiator, this is like the movie Gladiator, but reversed. This is from the side of the, the German barbarians, the Germanic barbarians, or as they say, the the Barbaros. Oh, I don't know what they kept saying in the fucking movie. Now, I, I like I said, I give it like an eight, a solid, maybe maybe even an eight and a half out of a ten. I'll give it my rating right now, straight up. What I highly recommend it. It's a really good watch. Uh, you kill it in a week. Uh, you binge it in a week, anyways. But I really like the story. I really like the characters. Um, it's gory. It's fucking got got everything. You want. It's got fucking titties. It's got fucking some fucking. Some of the characters do some fucked up shit. So. Uh, yeah, it's really good. But anyways, okay, let me start because I'm gonna talk about it and you know, and get into some of the some of the. So the story is loosely based off of three characters which come into focus after about the second or third episode. Then these characters are pretty much the story is bouncing off of them three, but it's Ari, Tuznelda, and uh, Folkwin. Falcon or Falcon? Falcon Wolfspear. <laughs> and I don't, I don't remember, I don't recall uh, Ari or Arminus's fucking last name off the top of my head. And I don't know Tuznelda's last name either. But Falcon Wolfspear, for whatever reason, he's got two names, and I do remember his. Yeah, actually, he becomes, he's probably in this. I want to say he's the main character. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe our, maybe it's Ari's story, but actually it might be Tuznelda. But that, that, that's what I said. I, it's between them three. I don't really know who's got the main, main story of the three. But it's between them three. Um, so the story starts. The barbarians are these lowly villagers. They're, you know, 
tribal, very, very, you know, kind of remind you of, you know, maybe the Indians in a sense, Native American Indians here in the States. Uh, but the very, very tribal, very, very uh, ritualistic in ways, very not as sophisticated as the Roman army. Now, the Romans are what they're exactly what the Romans are of old tales. They, the Romans are fucking a mighty empire. Uh, and if, if history serves me correct, The war between the barbarians and the Romans waged on for a number of years. In I don't think the Romans ever got a foothold there. I don't think they ever could. I think it eventually drained them of a lot of resources. And then the Roman Empire eventually crumbled from within due to famine, due to, you know, just the, the nonstop war that they were always in. Uh, and just the, you know, just the culmination of the assassination of Julius Caesar and all of that, I mean, it just, the the empire crumbled after its, I don't know how many hundreds or it could be even a millennium reign, a millennium, a thousand year reign. But I don't think they ever fully conquered the barbarians, if I'm not mistaken. I don't. I, I, I remember learning a lot about the Roman Empire and all the things that, you know, they brought to the table as far as running water and, you know, the architecture and so on and so forth. But anyways, so the story starts, you're in the barbarians' uh, camp. And actually, the story doesn't start. The story starts there with Ari, who you don't know who he is at the time. He fucking lobs off, fucking just hacks off some barbarians hey you don't know who that guy is either but they pretty much tell him like kiss the eagle which is their their standard their fucking their pride their their symbol it's a fucking eagle on a stick they tell him kiss it and he fucking spits his spits on it and then ari fucking beheads him like right and then they drag his body away and they, i think they put his head on a spear as a warning so that happens, and then the story, you know, gets back to the tribes, and Tuznelda, they get into her story. She's set to be married off to some other tribe's leaders. I think that guy's name is Hagnan or Hagnan or something like that, Hagnan or something like that. Uh, he comes to get. Tuznelda, and he fucking, he tells her, oh, she's skinny, She her hips are too skinny for, I guess, to be pumping out kids, and I don't know, he insults her some other way, anyway, she slaps the shit out of him, and the dad wants to sell her off to him for five mares, it's either five, five horses or five cows, I'm not 100% sure. And I guess that's how business was done back in the day. I mean, I didn't live in that day. But I'm pretty sure it was done in that day. Uh, and to much to a degree, it's done that way nowadays. So, she doesn't get wed off to him initially. And then, the Romans come to town. And 
they tell the tribes to give 100 cows. Oh, no, maybe, maybe. They demand some outrageous bullshit. Like, they, they wanted, like, the Romans want 100 cows and 100 barrels of wheat. Or, I don't know, some bullshit like that. Which would completely decimate any town. I mean, if, they, if somebody came to me and were like, hey, we need both your cars and $50,000 cash, I would be like, dog, I don't know where, I don't got it. You know, so the Romans come in and they tell, they tell uh, Reich Sigmi, Sigmi Reich, I don't know, that's the, the chieftain of the village of that, I don't know what village is from in the story. They tell him, and he's like, fuck, I already gave you a son, two sons, I already made the peace. And then and this taxation is just too fucking much. And so there's some, there's a lot of fighting in the town about what they should do. And then he calls a meeting with the heads of some other tribes and telling them that they should stand up. But then they all they all agree to not just pay the tax, keep the peace. They're not gonna fucking spill blood because they're just not. They're not about to do all that. Uh. So, she's now that overhearing this, uh, Falkwin Wolfspear is also listening, and he finds out that they're, like, in love with each other. And you're like, well, okay, like, they got a little love story going on, so you're like, okay, you know, um, that, you know, that's fine. Uh, their love story. Anyway, she tells them something about that they should stand up. Falkwin is like, you know, you know, you should. And this, that, the other thing. And he's like, well, you know, like, you know. But they, the, the clans can't unite. They're, they're talking about it. They're just talking about it. It's just an idea. But the clans can't unite. That's, that's part of the problem. The clans... The Germanic clans can't unite for shit. And that's the, pretty much the under thesis of the whole thing. The Roman Empire is a united front, as we all know. But the Germanic fucking tribes are tribal. And they each have their indifferences towards each other. Uh, every little death is a fucking... It's a huge thing, I guess. So The clans don't agree. And... and Tuznelda's father also steps in and kind of undermines Rake Signier's fucking propositions and all of that. And, you know, and pretty much, oh, I was getting distracted for a second, pretty much he wants to keep the peace with the Romans, and I think he's ultimately trying to, he's trying to politic himself into uh, into the chief of the of the little clan right there. Uh, he's like positioning positioning himself to try to usurp fucking Reich, and so he's you know 
He's all about keeping the keeping the peace as well. Reich is pretty much. Um, he's pretty much. He wants to go to war, but the, the other clans disagree with him, and so does she's now this father. Anyways, at that point, uh, the Romans do come back. They gave them three days or two days to come up with all the fucking their entire fucking uh, uh, their entire fucking demands and they come and and it's not enough. So part of the problem with that is I think they take what do they they take all of that and I think they take or they demand to take some something else, or they're gonna kill somebody, and or maybe they do kill somebody. Well, anyways, Falkland uh, ends up hatching a plan. I, I don't know if the Romans beat up somebody, and Falkland. Anyways, Falkland ends up going and fucking. He steals the eagle from the camp that Ari and all the Roman. The Roman people are at. And he ends up killing like four people or five Roman guards. And basically, you know, it sets off a chain of events. The. The maestro, which is some guy that Ari learns from, who you end up finding out is like his adopted father, commands Ari to go find this fucking eagle because he knows the lands. And Ari goes to the village where Reich Sigmir is, and he find he find out that. That guy, right, Sigmi, is also Ari's father. That's how season episode one ends. And I was like, fuck, that guy's they're related. And actually, they sent them there to go kill everybody and find the fucking eagle and kill whoever has it. So Ari comes into the mix. He wasn't he wasn't much involved in episode one. He was like mildly involved. But episode two. He pretty much he meets up with Tuznelda and and Falkwin and they ba- they basically he tells them that he's no longer part of the Germanic people. He's part of the Roman Empire and he's doing their bidding. And they and he says he knows they fucking stole the, the standard and they spend about an episode talking about how Ari the Romans came in and they took both of Rake's sons. They don't say where Ari's brother is at. I don't. I think he's alive. But you know where Ari's at. You don't just don't know where his brother is. And basically, they uh, they 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 do a little bit of backstory there. You find out a little bit about Tuznelda. Find out a little bit about uh, Falkland and the family. Well, anyways, the. The story goes more, and the word travels that Falkwin and Tuznelda and a couple of people 
stole the, the evil the eagle. And most of the Germanic people like that. They're mo most of them are pretty much like like yeah, like you're welcome to stay with us as long as you know as you need. Uh, at some point, Tisnelda's father talks to one of the main guys. Anyways, that, that main guy finds out that Oakwin fucking has the standard, and he's responsible for the deaths of a few people. So he demands, he, put, he makes Harry, Ari, uh, he commands him to fucking bring his head. And and I, and then he puts a big bounty on him, like the head. They want the head of Falcon Wolfspear. <laughs> so that happens, and then you find out that Ari's he actually was gonna go kill the fuck out of him, but he knew the father had the. Anyways, Ari gets the eagle back, and the guy still wants. The head of Falkland. So Ari goes and he fucking ends up chopping up some other guy's head. That that guy doesn't know who Falkland actually is. So they just put his, gives him some fucking guy's head and he put it on a stick and he's like, yeah, this is Falkland Bullspear. And he's like, put it at the gate so everybody knows. Don't fucking come over here. <laughs> and uh, you find, you, anyways, you find out that Tuznelda and Falkland are like lovers. So. I think that all happens like in episode two and three, all of that. Anyways, it gets really juicy. Uh, the leader of the Roman, he tells Ari, look, you've gone as far as you can go in this life in the Roman, in the Roman ranks because you're a foreigner, you're a barbarian, you're never going to get, you can never own a property in Rome and you can never like, be a part of the people. So he tells them, look, you're going to be stationed here in Germania like the rest of your life. You're going to be, now that you killed Falkland, you're going to be, you can be the fucking leader of uh, the tribe. And the, and the dad, actually, the dad commits suicide at some point. I forgot. 100%. Well, you know, I, I think it had a lot to do with the Romans came in and they crucified some motherfuckers. And they put the they put the father in like an unwinnable position. They put Ari's dad in an unwinnable position that he just couldn't escape from. So, you know, he ends up walking into the bog and fucking killing himself. Meanwhile, Tuznelda's dad assumes the role of town chief for like a day and then Ari comes in with all the Roman uh, bodyguards and he tells that guy hey I'm the Reich of the, of the village now um, that's all there is to it and, I, and at first that guy is fucking pissed but because he had been sucking fucking Roman dick uh, <laughs> yeah fuck it was a big brown nose Cause now that his dad is a real fucking asshole. He's he doing some dumb shit the entire time. He was his character annoyed the fuck out of me. 
I was like, yo, this, he should have been killed like four or five times in the in the fucking series, at least four or five times. But I was like, damn, this motherfucker, they couldn't just fucking put him out of his misery. But he never got put out of his misery. As a matter of fact, the chief got put out of his misery, and I was like, dog, I, th- I actually didn't think he was going to die, but uh, he died anyways. So Ari comes in, he's the leader of the village, Tuznele and, and Falkwin meet up with him, and he's like, they ask him, like, who the fuck side are you on, this, that, and the other thing? He's like, look. I don't know what the fuck kind of fucking dope he was smoking, <laughs> but he fucking tells, uh, he basically fucking tells, uh, Falkwood answers now to look, the only way we could do this is if she marries me. I think that's how episode four ends, maybe episode, no, I think it's episode four. <laughs> and the next episode starts with, him and Falkland fucking scrapping. <laughs> I thought that shit was fucking... Well, that was like... To me, that was the wildest shit ever. I was like, yo, this motherfucker had no fucking shit. He was just like, straight up, I gotta marry your bitch. Or or everything's not gonna fucking work. I, you, gotta, you, oh, you gotta keep in mind, too, because now this little brother... Uh, the Romans came in and fucking hit the fuck out of him in his head. And they, they crippled him, basically. Uh, and he's almost like a vegetable, but he's not. He can still do things. And that's beside the point. That happened. That's a, there's that story's in there somewhere too. Um, but then they, Tuznelda, the little kid, and the, this other lady, they end up becoming these things called the seers. So that Ari's plan was: look, she's a seer. I'm a fucking chief. I will be the most dominant fucking tribe and will convince all these fuckers to go to battle with the Romans. Otherwise, they're going to come and demand more shit. And they have the direct key because Ari's like the go-between. And nothing will happen to Ari and his clan will happen to everybody else's. So, he ends up taking Tuznella as a right. That's a whole episode right there. But in between that, Volkwin fucking is like he goes kind of mad. He gets drunk as fuck, and he's like, you know, he's just fucking losing his marbles, bro. And then, and then Ari, Ari and Tuznella kind of start. They they kind of have a little fling. Um, at one point, they believe that Falkwin died uh, because they found the body burnt in the forest. And that's actually where Falkwin was, but he gets knocked out, and they burn the body of somebody else. It's not Falkwin, but they think it is. So they kind of go along with it for a little bit. And Ari, I guess they spend they, what seems to be like a couple of months, maybe a year in timeline-wise. He ends up marrying Tuznelda and Ari does. And, you know, he comes up with this fucking plan. Like, he's slowly but surely gathering reinforcements and troops and, you know, building a little a squad, an army to lead into the battle against the Romans. So eventually he gathers enough people. Eventually the plan's in motion. Eventually, you know, she's now there's just by his side. They, they don't fuck or anything initially. And as soon as the plan starts coming to fruition, uh, she's now that actually is like, all right, like, 
you know, she kind of gives in to her. I mean, I guess, you know. And, and the, the other thing about Tuznelda marrying Ari is that pisses off. Um, Tuznelda and her dad have, like, some fucking... They have what I want to call is, like, a very... You know, it's kind of on edge relationship. Haddon comes back into the picture late in like episode five or six. He thinks he's going to marry to his mother, only to find out that she's been uh, given to somebody else. And, you know, he's kind of upset about that because that was his bride. He thought it was going to be his. But there's an interesting love triangle between Tisnada, Ari, and Falkwin. And this guy Haddon and uh, uh, like a couple other people. Um, and eventually the, the Romans demand because the taxation isn't going well and because some other shit's not going well. They demand that Ari round up the sons of the other tribes. like, And he goes and he takes them and he meets up at I think they kind of ceremony of the moons. And he tells them, look, I took all your sons and nobody even stood up to me because the Romans had that kind of power. And he's like, and if you don't stop it right here, right now, I'll come and take another one of your sons. And they'll do it, they'll do it again. And they'll take everything. And they'll, my fact, they'll slaughter you if you don't. Uh, so he convinces like five tribes to go into battle with him. Tells them, look, I have your sons. They're safe. They're at my village. But this has to be... This has to be done now. Like, they cannot wait. It's either we attack now and we kill, or they're going to kill me, and then they're going to come get your sons on top of all that. So, eventually it boils down. He ends up... Ari ends up going to the Roman camps. He tells them, look, he tells the Roman people, look, they they don't want to give up their sons. They don't want to give up no food. They, there's a force of rebels out there. We need to crush them. And the main guy believes it. Quintus is there, and he's like, no, like, you're leading us into a fucking trap. We don't need to do this. It's like, we'll, we'll fucking get them on, on, in the winter or get them on another time. And he tells them no because if they unite anymore, if we don't crush the little rebellion now, eventually they might actually unify and, you know, so on and so forth. So, Tuznelda's father comes running into the Roman camp, claiming all of this shit about Ari, like, oh, fucking Falkwin is not dead. Fucking, he's... He's plotting. He's going to lead you into a trap. And he's like, you know what? You're right. I did all that. You know, I'm a barbarian, blah, blah, blah. And he says it so sarcastically that the guy is like, you know what? He believes him. So, you know what? Get this guy out of here. Uh, leave me and Ari to lead this warpath. We'll go crush this rebellion. And they do. Mind you, Ari finds out that Falkwin is alive, even though after he's been porking on... Tuznelda for a cool minute. Uh, 
he goes and he starts talking to Tiznalda. Tiznalda tells him, look, I don't want to do none of this without you. You know, you're my, basically, you're going to be my king forever. And he's like, well, you know, Folkwin, she's like, yeah, I know Folkwin died. You know, anyways, the battle approaches and Haddon and Tiznalda's dad peel off, but enough stay behind with Ari to mount an attack. They they pretty much crush the Romans. Um, they Ari does lead them into a trap, and they end up crushing the Romans right then and there. Uh, it's not the end of the Roman like that's not the final blow, but they do crush them, and I think um, eventually they're gonna come back and there'll be another major fight. Now it's interesting that in this time, at, at one point in the series. Folkwin sacrifices his firstborn son to the cause. Tuznelda sacrifices an eye so that way she can at least pawn off that she's a for real a seer. Because even though she's not a seer, but I think she kind of actually might actually turn into being a seer. And a seer is, you can see foresight she can do the battle plan she's she can see things basically is what seer kind of means and ari doesn't sacrifice anything i don't believe but he's chased by a wolf and they talk about this wolf and you know at the end of all this shit ari ends up having to fucking slay his i don't know if no his dad his adopted dad ends up killing himself in the middle of the battlefield. Uh, he frees the translator. Quintus and them take off. And Ari's there. Basically, he's lifted to status of king of the tribes. And not not just of the tribes, but the whole area. Uh, Tuznelda is also elevated to the queen of... She's right there with Ari. Folkwin... He's fucking pissed. Uh, he pretty much tells Ari, the day you become king will be the day I fucking kill you. And, you know, or the first day you become king will be the first, I will be the first man coming to try to kill you. Uh, he tells him he's not, he's not king yet. He's not king of the land yet. Ari is kind of there, but he's not king yet. He's, he just won, they just won a first great battle. They haven't, done the politics on the back end of it yet. Amidst all that, you find out that Tuznelda is pregnant, but it's not with Ari's kid. It might be with Folkwin's kid. But Folkwin sacrificed his kid. So who knows what is going to happen to the kid? Who knows what's going to happen to Tuznelda? It ends there, uh, and they leave you right craving for the next fucking season. And I'm like, God damn it. They fucking just ended the motherfucker right when it got hot. The fucking... The story was hot at the episode six, man. I was fucking like... I was like, no, they're not going to leave me with all the juicy fucking shenanigans. But right now, I was like, fuck, like... God damn it, this was, it was just getting fucking juicy. 
the story was getting thick. You know, it was like a fucking peanut butter that's been in a fucking refrigerator thick. Haddon and, and Tuznelda's father are kind of buddy buddies now, now that Ari and Tuznelda are a thing. So I think he's going to try to usurp Ari at one point. Falkwin is there. You know, Falkwin has also r- risen to the ranks, the ranks of legendary as well. So I think he's going to be a number one in command behind Ari. Ari is right now initially to the elevation of king of the land. But, you know, so there's different vying... There's a, there's a lot of things in motion, but the one thing is in motion is they did beat back the Romans one time. So, eventually the Romans are going to come back, and I think they're going to figure out all of the little things, all the little nuances that um, are plaguing. I think they're going to play off of that. And and now that I think about it, too, now they may not even be pregnant with Falkwin's kid or Ari's kid. Because we don't know. But I tell you right now. Uh, Barbarians is a good watch, man. I tell you, right as it got thick and chunky, it fucking ended. And I was like, God damn it. it done, I could have done one more episode, a little cool off. But I think, you know, you know, maybe the short season did well. Because now they're going to have a banging. They should have a banging season. They should have a banging season too, man. They should have a banging season two, and I think even a season three. So Barbarians is not going anywhere. I think it was phenomenal. I think Netflix got something on their hands right there. Um, I don't know what the production of it is or anything of that. But I do like that it's not in English because it makes it feel a little bit more real. You know, sometimes when the stories are in English, you're like, we weren't fucking speaking English in fucking the olden days. But you know it's a good it's a good watch. So I'm excited for season two whenever it comes out. Could be a year from now. Who knows? You know. But if you're out there and you, and you fucking want to watch something pretty good, Barbarians is really good. I highly recommend it. I highly um one of those things. I highly recommend the motherfucker, man. I think you know it, it's fucking phenomenal. The action is good. The, the plot is thick. There's fucking titties. There's fucking motherfuckers hacking each other up. Blood everywhere. Battles. It's Romans. It's fucking tribes. It's the Seers. It's fucking... It's all kinds of... It's, it's right up my alley in the show to watch. So... That's going to wrap it up for the Barbarians. Um, We're going to talk a little bit of Raiders football momentarily. What is up, guys? I'm back. Fucking Raider Nation. What is up, yo? So, I wanted to talk about the victory, obviously. And fucking, I actually, in in time-wise, a whole day has passed since I wrapped up talking about the Barbarians. I just had a fucking busy day at work. So, I'm going to get this shit done and wrapped up now. As I clean out my... Nose of fucking boogers. So, let me reiterate. The the Raiders whipped the shit out of the Broncos. Nobody gonna tell you otherwise. 
they just they just whipped the shit out of them. And actually, we should have hung like fifty points on them. Uh, because from what I can see, Aguilar dropped the touchdown. Nelson Aguilar dropped the touchdown pass. Waller dropped the touchdown pass. Renfro's uh, punt return, sixty-yard punt return, uh, called back that he scored on. And I and it wasn't even like the the foul that occurred with Abrams was even in the play, was out of the play. Uh, it wasn't like he was held or you know anything like that. I mean, got loose that way. Uh, but yeah, fucking, we should have hung fifty on those fucking turd balls, and maybe even more. We won thirty-seven. If you, it would have been closer to sixty. Uh, but we whipped that ass, and then we had the five, four or five turnovers, four picks, something like that. You know, we're just all uh, a through and through whipping. You know, uh, no two ways about it. I mean, in the first half of the game, when it was close. Uh, it actually looked like the Broncos have relatively muzzled us a little bit on offense. and But we were able to muzzle them, too, on defense. I mean, they weren't moving the ball much either. Just before the end of the half, the big pick by um, Heath. And I don't know. He's, all of a sudden, he's getting a lot of picks. But Heath is really back there. I think he's in the strong safety position. I'm not 100% sure of that. Don't quote me on that Raider Nation, but he was back there. He's been hawking. Uh, he's hawked fucking Mahomes a couple weeks ago. And then he was back there hawking this this last week against the Broncos. And uh, and then once the turnover, the turnover ratio just got out of control, you know, these boys, they just... They just really teed off on the Broncos. Once it, the game, uh, the first half was kind of a wash. I guess if we dropped Henry Ruggs dropped a big pass, uh, Nelson Aguilar dropped a big pass, Waller dropped a pass, but uh, the first half could have been a lot more explosive. But we we really you know. So the first half was, but it was a, it was close. I think we were up 10-6 or 10-7 at, at some point. Um, you know, it looked like we were going to be down 13-10. And then a, a last second pick, 10 and a half. I think we were up 10-6. I'm not 100% certain of the number. Maybe 10-7. Can't like I said, I can't really recall. And then in halftime, um, I'm assuming John Gruden just said, "Look, this team fucking sucks. Go out there and fucking smack them." And that's literally what happened. They had one whole yard in the whole third quarter on offense, and I think they had a turnover. We had a couple of sacks. 
and then we drove down the field and just fucking put up points. And it seemed the game was over, like, in the fourth quarter. Like, we got up, like, 20... I think 23 to, like, 10. And, it looked the game looked out of reach at that point. But, you know, the announcers did what they do. They talked about how Drew... I think it's Drew Locke has these four-quarter comebacks. And then we just picked him... Uh, Nassib, that pick that Nassib got, uh, I was like, God, that, that mother, Nassib, N-A-S-S-I-B, I think it's Carl Nassib or something Nassib, that guy is fucking huge. Bro, he looked like Gronkowski running it down the field, and he plays on defense. They gotta get that guy on the field like at all times I, I I was like I was at my friend's my neighbor's house my friend neighbor at his house watching the game and I was like bro that guy is fucking big he's running down the field and he looks like twice the size of anybody else on our defense and I'm like holy shit I don't know what you know I'd have to look at him a little bit more closely but we need him in the game more often you know I don't know how fast he is but if he can fucking hit somebody or uh he can definitely defend some shit because that guy is big he's not he's no little I mean that guy is fucking big he looks like a fucking lineman but who knows what who know? I don't know I mean I don't even know what position I like uh Kwistowski Kwistowski or whatever his name is Nick from the Bears. He's one of my more favorite players on the defense. Abrams is turning out to be just an absolute monster on his side of the field. And honestly, his highlights are just the hits, bro. Uh, he needs to learn a little bit more about the defense, the schemes, and coverage. But you know what? A, a motherfucker might think twice before they run up and get popped by him. So I'm I'm okay with his progress uh, going forward. He he's a little bit uh, penalty prone as well for roughing the uh, all kinds of shit, roughing the passer, obviously chop blocking the back, all kinds. Of, but that that's some things he he I think he can work on. And I don't even think it's even he has to work on. I think he just needs to figure out like okay, this is a foul. This isn't a foul. He just needs to have that experience. Just a little bit of experience. This is his first full season. Last year, he was injured. so. Um, but that, he fly, he's flying around out there, too. I just watched a highlight today where the Broncos ran, ran a, a fake jet sweep, and he popped the guy, number 13, in the backfield, and he didn't even have the ball. <laughs> so, so that tells you right then and there, like, hey, man, this guy's coming. He's gunning. I mean, they could use that against him, you know, the Patriots did. But, again, if he plays the Patriots again and he sees the same play, I mean, you're going to build off of experience. And I think he's going to whack the Patriots. He's going to whack teams, you know. It's just what it is. To me, to me, he's fun to watch. So, But seemingly our defense is now starting to shape up. Crosby and and I know Farrell is getting a lot. Of, well, he might not get a lot of hate anymore. 
but he is stuffing they're stuffing things up there up front they haven't they're not getting the sacks yet uh but i think they're coming because now that i think the defense is is looking a lot better shape now we're like week nine and i think that's that's about right because they didn't go they didn't have the preseason and they didn't have a first couple of games to figure things out so you gotta figure by like week eight, week nine, and I and I kind of figured the defenses around the league were gonna struggle somewhat because you got a you got a lot of elite quarterbacks out there. The league has everybody pretty much like seventy five percent, maybe eighty percent of the league is equal as far as the quarterback. You got Breeze, Brady, Matt Ryan. You got Rodgers. You got Matt Stafford. You got uh, Roethlisberger, you got Lamar Jackson, you got Mahomes, <clears throat> Herbert Carr, you got, you know, Kyler Murray and Tua now, you got Josh Allen, I mean, you got dynamic quarterbacks, uh, Russell Wilson, you, you've got, you know, shit, like, you just got fucking talent at the quarterback position fucking everywhere, and it's it's alarming to me how good the quarterbacks in the team are. You Teddy Bridgewater, um, you know, not maybe not the NFC East currently, but everywhere else, or maybe not the AFC South. But a lot of these divisions are loaded with fucking quarterback talent. And to me, it's you know they pray they're they were praying on the subpar defenses. And I think the defenses are now starting to start rounding things out. And you're going to see a little bit, you know, a shift in some of these things. Even Baker Mayfield, to an extent, is really good. Uh, you know, and I think they're 6-3 and three or 5-4, or and four, something like that. They're right there. Um, shit. You, Cam Newton. I mean, you got... like it, And to me, the Raiders... Got their own kid. We got Derek Carr. But but as I was saying, I think the defense is needed this time. And it seems like now, like, week, like the last, I know last week Herbert was fucking chucking it all around the yard. But our defense stepped up absolutely when you got a, I think got a sack. I think uh, they ended on two big defensive plays. And it's just phenomenal that. This was a coming out party for the defense uh, against the Broncos, which I really, I really like. I really like that they had a little coming out party and like flexed a little bit. Um, and we handled the Broncos thirty-seven to seventeen, I believe. But the game, the game was close in the first. But the game wasn't really that close. If you watch the tape, you'll see that Nelson Aguilar dropped the pass in the end zone that, for all intents and purposes, should have caught. Waller, a ball went in and out of his hands as well, pretty much for a touchdown. And I, you know what? He looked a little bummed on the sideline, but it, it's just a little bit of coaching. And I think he come get right back on that horse and, and get he's gonna get a touchdown next game. Henry Ruggs, uh, Ruggs dropped the pass that went in between his hands, and he just I don't know if he didn't see it or what. Maybe a little bit of jitters. Maybe just. A second late, maybe just, you know, any number of things. 
he dropped uh, Hunter Renfro. You know, like, like I said, they they there was left at least twenty one points off of the board, at least if not closer to twenty eight. Uh, well, actually, it's twenty four. But that's you know that's part of the game. You know you got to win. Part of the game is overcoming things like that. And and I just feel like the fucking the Raiders are right. We're right where we want to be. Our offense is good. And also kudos Josh Jacobs and uh, Devin Booker. Uh, they just ran. They just ran that shit. We ran it all over the Broncos. And Derek Carr didn't have. The big plays that were there, you know, they weren't hitting. But I really like Gruden's adjustments. We're like, okay, well, we're going to go from airing it out to just running it on him. And once we got the lead and started pinning our tail, our ears back, uh, we really ran it on him. And then they just could not do anything. They couldn't do anything. Uh, Josh Jacobs went into the end zone twice pretty much untouched. Uh, on the two, on his two touchdown runs. If you look at him and his, the first one, he just zigzagged around everybody, and they didn't touch him. And the second one, I don't know if it was a blown coverage or I heard that they said something about there was only ten men on the field. He again, wa- he walked in. He ran up to about the one yard line and just walked the rest of the way in, and nobody even came to touch him. As a matter of fact, he w- there was nobody within like ten yards of him, uh, and that's fine. I mean, you you kind of expect, you know, it, when they get tired down, especially at his second touchdown. I mean, they were tired. Maybe they didn't want to get hit by him, or maybe they just you know nobody. They were just gassed. You know, the the game, the life had gotten taken out of the Broncos somewhere in like late third early fourth quarter when they just were like damn this is just not happening um and then when it got up to like 37 i mean we were the game was over with like 13 11 12 or 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter it was over i think it was already 30 points and then we still scored on them again um so you know it's it's just one of those things like i can't can't explain it but they they just whipped they just whipped and i think we should have whipped more so i think late in the season uh if denver trends south um as i kind of think they are they're kind of trending south the chargers are trending north the Chargers are trending a little bit more better than they are, and I and I what I mean by that, I think the Chargers will eventually stop losing so many games and start winning some of them late season. And I think the Broncos kind of overachieved; they won some games, when, and I don't think they should have. I think they sh- they should be like a one win or two, one win team, or maybe a no win team yet, but they've managed to win. So I think they're overachieve. They're overachieving. They might win another game or two. They might finish like five and eleven. Maybe four and twelve. No, I think they might win two games. So they might finish like five and eleven. But the Chargers are probably going to finish five and eleven or six and ten. But in the back end of the season, they're going to pick it up. And while they they took a lot of losses in the beginning, uh, but the Broncos are going to lose 
more towards the end than they are going to win. So I, that's how I see those two trending, two teams trending in the AFC West. Now the Raiders have an absolutely monstrous game coming up from a multitude, a plethora, a, a smorgasbord amount of reasons against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs are the top, one of the top four or five teams in the NFL right now, if not the top three. Uh, they're eight and one, with that one loss draped over them by the Vegas Raiders. And I kind of feel as if the Raiders are going to hang another L in their fucking loss column. Uh, they're going to send them to 8-2. And, and here's why. Number one, we already whipped them. And it wasn't it wasn't a whipping as bad as the Broncos. They had an early lead. I think we correct the mistakes that happened in the beginning of the game we met in Arrowhead. Number two... I think this is now, I think the Raider players, coaches, staff, organization, up and down the fans, this is going to be a coming out party. We're going to hammer them on defense and we're going to hit them hard on offense. We're going to, I mean, we might in, in sport, we might blow our wad at this game and not save anything for the playoffs. That could happen. But I think we are going to really fucking rock them. Sunday night, next Sunday night. Um, again, this is another this is another primetime game. Uh, we've had now we've had one taken away from us. The Bucks game was taken off Sunday, but we we won the Sunday I do the Sunday or Monday night against the Saints back in the beginning of the season, and we again a lot of people pegged the Saints to win. Said. Fucking Derek Carr is just a fucking one one trick pony, and the and the Raiders and John Gruden doesn't really know what he's doing anymore. He's lost it. He's lost touch. And we came out and pretty much shellacked them. Not a blowout. It was no. It wasn't a. But I mean, they and them that game much like the Kansas City game. They got up on us, and it looked like fuck. We were the Raiders of old. Gonna be down seventeen to fucking three. They were up ten three. And then I think they got up 13-3. And then we came... We just rolled them. We rolled them over. We got like 36 points. And they came... They got 20. Something like that. And the same thing with Kansas City. But I think we're going to flip the switch. And... I think... Just... Prediction-wise... I think we're going to get a turnover... Possibly a pick six. But I think we're going to get a turnover and score immediately. And put Mahomes in a hole. That for the rest of the game, it's going to be a seesaw battle. They're going to be close to going. I don't think there's going to be a blow. But I think we're probably going to win this game. Like 33, 31, uh, 37 to like 30. It's going to be a good Sunday night football game. But I don't think... They may actually take the lead, but, you know, momentarily with, you know, 10 minutes in the third quarter, maybe they come out and score. But then I think we're going to just ramp up 
Because I, I don't think in the league, I think in league-wide, we probably have the best tandem of running backs. And I think we can, I think we have the best, I, we might sneakily have one of the best running offenses in the league uh, that can run the ball. And Derek Carr has got weapons out on the edge. And that has a lot to do with the weapons on the edge. Aguilar and Ruggs are out there. You either respect the speed or you're going to get torched. And Derek Carr already torched Kansas City in Kansas City doing that. He's already torched a number of teams. Uh, But we can run the ball effectively even with them not... Even with them loading the box, and I think, and I think that's going to play into our hands. I think we're going to make them play our game, and not we're not going to play to their game. This is why I think we're going to win. Uh, and not only we're going to win, I think it's going to be a convincing win. Like we're going to be there you know, with answers to a lot of the problems. Another side note to all of this: Raiders chief back and forth. Andy Reid. I know he's got this immaculate, crazy. Record coming off of the bye, but this is Andy Reid, the same motherfucker that was in Philadelphia, who blew it with Vic, blew it with Donovan, blew it multiple times. This Andy Reid is gonna fucking uh, reappear. If the Chiefs. I think Patrick Mahomes might get another Super Bowl, but I think they're going to have to get rid of uh, Andy Reid down the line and get him a new coach that plays more defense uh, to help him out. So I think they've turned into only an offensive team, which is exactly what uh, he was in Philadelphia. And the defense, you know, just they never got over the hump. And I think that's going to be the case for many number of years here. They're not going to get over the hump. Again, I know the NFL wants them to be the next dynasty, the next Patriots, but I don't see that happening. I think if anybody's going to be that, it might be Seattle. Could be, you know, could be one of somebody else. Maybe they're going to give it to Baltimore. Baltimore's got some growing to do, but I think they're also Baltimore plays defense. I know they lost, but they are on the cusp. Of taking over the division for uh, a decade because the Steelers, Ben, and it's all predicated on Ben Roethlisberger. If he's gone, he's, there's nothing there. They can't compete. So, yeah, this big game is coming up. I'm excited for it. Uh, I think we're gonna win it. I'm not gonna hold my breath. To, I'm not gonna fucking pout if we don't. But I think this is gonna be a coming out party for the Raiders. I think they're gonna really just show up. Schmack the fuck out of the Chiefs up and down the field, and then you know some timely turnovers, and I think we're gonna do this. I think it's, I think this more so than the first Sunday night football game, more so than the first meet up with the Chiefs, more so. This is a bigger game for the Raiders, and I think we're gonna. I think Gruden can really fire up the squad, and I know, I know this last one, this last game. You know, against the Broncos, really, we really ramped up a lot of things. So, you know, that's the victory for the Raiders. That's a 
that's a pretty convincing, you know, six and three. And I think we're going to go seven and three. And I think we're going to start to peel away because down the stretch, we got some. We got some games, we can, but I think we can finish 10, maybe 11 wins. Um, that's just what I think. And I think that'll be enough. I don't know if we'll be able to beat the Chiefs out. for, But maybe, maybe we will because I think they're going to lose more than four or five games. Well, I don't know. Not more than that, but I think they're going to lose around that. So if we both finish up like 11 and 5, if we swept, sweep them... We get we're gonna have one of the top seeds in the NFL, and then, like I said, this, this game bodes well because come playoff time, right now looking at it, only the Bills and Steelers are currently it's it's the Steelers, the Bills, the Chiefs, and. I believe the Colts, if I'm not mistaken, are the, your current division leaders. That's going to change. The Steelers are not going to go undefeated. They're going to get three losses, I think. Even though they got nine wins now, I think they're going to pick up two to three losses. Um, the Chiefs are going to pick up a couple more losses. The Colts will lose more. And the, I think the Bills will also lose some more. So I think all of, I think all those teams are going to lose. And that leaves the Raiders to climb the ladder a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, that's what I think about that. And you know, that, that's why this game is a big game. Seven and three. If we could sit at seven and three, we can get, we can get to like, Nine to ten wins in, a, and I can just see that already. We played the Broncos again. We played the Chargers again. We played the the unwinnable Jets. We play uh, Miami. The, the hard games coming up, I think, are the Chiefs, the Falcons, and the Dolphins. And the Dolphins only because. Tua is looking like he is going to be the quarterback to the Dolphins for a long time. And I just think of it like, like, damn, like, thank God we played them at home. Because if we were playing in Miami, we'd be in trouble there for sure. Uh, I think the Chargers, the Chargers got to come to Vegas. That's another thing. Even though, Even though the drive is not far. They got to come to Vegas, and I think the home field, we might cook them. We might cook. I, I And the Falcon games is a big game as well because we go to Atlanta, and, you know, even though they don't look good on paper, they got the losses, and it could be another it could be another knuckle ball game over there. Um, but I like to stick a fork in, them, fork in them as well, you know. So this Chief game is big because if we can beat the Chiefs again, the team is going to be just... The swag is going to be our, our fucking swagometer. Our fucking Raider fucking juices are going to be brimming. We're going to feel like we can beat any team. Even though we've got some odds, we can feel like we can beat any team. And I think that's 
the the thing that John Gruden is gonna fucking latch onto is like, look, beat these Chiefs, and we're in the playoffs. Beat these Chiefs, and send them on the road in the playoffs. Send them to go fucking fight Pittsburgh or or the or the Bills, you know, and end their little reign. You know, let's get a home playoff game. Let's win a home playoff game, and then possibly make a stab at the Super Bowl. So this is what this game comes down to. That's why it's a big game. I think we're gonna make a stab at the Super Bowl. Like, why not the Raiders? Why not just come out of fucking left field and fucking completely blindside the NFL? It could be, and then I know it's six and three. People are like, "Wow, well, fuck!" So, but the team is on the cusp of something big. Uh, I predicted it was going to take two years for the the tire, the treads of the of the tires really dig in in Las Vegas. But I think this year it can be done. Oh, it can be done. Looking down the rest of our schedule, not overlooking, not a single team. I mentioned, I think all the teams we're going to play. The Chiefs, most NFL fans right now would believe that we're losing that game. But outside of that, most NFL fans right now would be hard-pressed to say we're losing against the Broncos. We're losing against the Chargers. We're losing against the Jets. We're losing against Atlanta or even the, uh, the Dolphins. Even though the Dolphins are doing pretty good, so it's one of these, one of those things. Like, well, that's why I think we're on the cusp of something special. And we're building up some some momentum, building up. Get Derek Carr hyped, man. Get just get this twenty twenty Derek Carr. He's got a little chip on his shoulder. He's a little angry, you know. He felt a little bit disrespected uh, in the off season. You know, talking this and that. He wasn't going to be the quarterback of our team. And you know what? You get him a little bit angry. And not so much as like, well, I'm happy to be playing football. Get him a little bit angry. He might actually do something for us. So, that's what it is, guys. I mean, that's my Raider talk. That was my Raider wrap-up of the week. You know, victory Monday, which is now actually Tuesday. And, uh, you know... I'm watching One Piece, but I also I was also watching on Netflix uh, my next guest with David Letterman. So I'm gonna try to finish off all of his interviews and then we'll talk about it, the different things he's different people he's interviewed. So far, I've watched two or three of them, but obviously he's got a dozen or so to watch. So I might watch them all and then talk about that maybe next week. Also talk about Sunday Night Football. If, it, if the Raiders win again, it'll be another big win. We'll definitely be talking about it. And I'll probably be talking about it either way, one way or the other. Uh, Lakers, uh, Devin Schroeder is coming over, uh, basically taking Rondo's spot. You know, Rondo came in for a season, won a ring. You know, he did his dues, paid his paid his wages. And uh, I think he's off to go get a payday somewhere, which is fine. Uh, he came in, won a ring. He's one of the only two players in the whole NBA that has ever done that for the Lakers and the Celtics and uh, you know he deserves a a 30, 40, 50 million dollar payday Um, if the Clippers gonna shovel out that money so be it 
Um, but I mean, he could go anywhere. I think he'd be content. He's got two rings. He's gonna be paid. He could round out his career, you know, on a four-year, five-year deal with somebody worth fifty, sixty, seventy million dollars, and just ride off in the sunset, man. I mean, he, obviously he's still a good player. The hunger is still there, but it, now it's the time of his career to just get paid. He's won. He's done the winning. Now he needs to get paid, and paid like a star. In which he is So As the pieces shuffle around You know The draft is coming as well We'll see who the Lakers get Don't get We'll see You know Different things of the nature So With that you guys I'm out And I'll get this posted up here shortly Laters